please be advised that this is a pre-recorded program, so we won't be answering any phone calls or messages. And also that this is not a political discussion, but rather a follow-up conversation on the Democratic Alliance's information session about the impact of Day Zero in Nelson Mandela Bay and how Western provincial government managed to avert Day Zero. So joining me on the line is Democratic Alliance Federal Council Chairperson Helen Ziller. Good afternoon, Helen. Welcome to IFM and welcome to Drive Time. Assalamu alaikum, Shafiq. It's good to be with you. Wa alaikum salam. So the municipality has failed to address the water crisis in Nelson Mandela Bay, and it is predicted that Nelson Mandela Bay's main supply dam will run dry within three weeks. So this will leave the third of metro without water. And I believe this is the reason why you are coming to Nelson Mandela Bay, Missile. Well, I've been coming to Nelson Mandela Bay very regularly. We've been in no- negotiations to set up a new government. It's mm. very difficult to do that because the DA and the ANC got an equal number of seats, although the DA did get more votes than the ANC. Mm. And now we have to try and get a majority, which means we have to put together a coalition of 10 parties, which is very, very difficult. And so we have been doing that in negotiations. Mm. All right. Okay, so now that you are saying this, um, so your visit is not necessarily about the crisis, but also to strengthen the the ties that of the coalition as well. No, well, we have to take over government to deal with the crisis. You can't deal with the crisis in opposition. You have to be in government. Mm. But you don't just take government at any cost. You have to negotiate a proper coalition agreement. Mm. Otherwise, there's no point in going into it because it will fall apart at the first hurdle. Mm. So the two are linked. We are trying to take over government, despite the fact that the voters didn't give us quite enough votes. We're trying to take over the government so that we can manage the water crisis properly. So the two things are very closely linked. This is something that I've been actually wondering as well. And um, it is something that I feel like uh, can be, I don't know if it can be addressed or something. Um what you're saying right now, saying that you cannot address the I mean, the water crisis issue if you're not in government. Why is that so impossible? Well, when you're in government, you have access to the power that the Constitution and the law gives you. You can't do anything to address the water crisis from imposing restrictions to changing tariffs to augmenting supply unless, A, the law gives you the power to do so, and the law only gives you the power to do so if you're in government, and B, unless you've got the budget to do so, and you only have the budget to do so if you are in government and can take resources from the public purse. There is no other way that you can do it. The law has to be behind you, and the resources have to be behind you, and you cannot do that in opposition. All right. Okay, so now let's um, just a little bit here about your trip coming down to Nelson Mandela Bay in this regard. Uh, what is actually the, the main focus that you're coming here for, that you'll be speaking to people about? Well, the water crisis is the first thing, and you may know that the Department um, of Water Management in the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro has just been put under administration by the National Minister Senzo Mkuno, mm. who says that he's going to now be administering that. I'm not sure that is good news because... There's very little capacity and a lot of corruption in the National Department of Water and Sanitation. So the ANC has grabbed that portfolio, and I'm sure it's because there are a lot of tenders and contracts 
that will have to come up there to save Nelson Mandela Bay from day zero. Hmm. I think that is the main motivation, actually. So in many senses, the city won't be able to manage the water crisis anymore. They haven't been managing it up till now because of the ANC's massive failure in government up till now. But the ANC has been determined to hold on to that. And so the national minister has intervened and grabbed control of that portfolio now. He's given a whole set of reasons. I don't know whether they stand up in law, but we are going there to put together a new government and to deal with the crisis of water. As I said, the two are closely linked. All right. But is this, um, I mean, I understand that water crisis is actually a national uh, thing. It's a national crisis. So are you only coming to Nelson Mandela Bay or there will be other places that you'll be going to as well? No, the water crisis is not a national crisis. It is a crisis in Nelson Mandela Bay and other parts of the Eastern Cape. And in dealing with that crisis, the national government has a mandate to deal with the bulk supply And the local government has a mandate to deal with the cleansing of water and the reticulation of water. So they both have mandates in delivering water. The national government has taken over the administration of the water crisis. And the local government is now being effectively shackled from that. The ANC in local government wasn't doing anything anyway. That's why we tried to take it over. But it will create a new challenge for us when we do eventually take over the local government there. Actually, I'm not just saying this, but this is something that I've taken from the DA page, which says that uh, the Democratic Alliance welcomes the fact that national government heeded our call for national intervention in the water crisis. National intervention in the water crisis. So that's why I'm putting the national there. And all those kinds of things probably means that national government Mm. coming in to put it under administration. Mm. That's what they mean. That's what they're talking about. All right. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, so now moving along here, um, there are there are many other things that we can speak about when it comes to the water crisis. And... uh, we are seeing that the blame is being put on a, on a, what you call on a municipality when shortage of water, rainfall and uh, climate change as well is major contributing factor to water crisis. So why should we be, should we be blaming the municipality when there's this crisis? The bottom line is this: municipalities and national government have to prepare for crises. That is part of their job. They have to predict that crises will happen. They have a disaster management function to deal with these crises, and that is what people get elected to do to predict and manage crises. I believe that, and I remember that uh, between 2016 and 2018, South Africa faced with a drought as well, and uh, Cape Town was able to avert day zero. How did this happen? How did we avert day zero? Yes. Well, we did several things. We reduced the consumption of our population by more than 50%, by uh, more than 500 million liters a day, which was the first in the world. That has never been done anywhere in the world. We also augmented supply to critical installations like hospitals and schools by drilling boreholes. We also had to lift the tariff of water so that people would use less. And we had to manage water very, very carefully by reusing water, which we did a great deal of. Mm. So there were three major things. You fix the leaks as well. And Cape Town is amongst the world's best cities for the fewest leaks in the water system. So those three things. Saving water, reducing consumption, 
fixing leak and augmenting supply. And by doing those three things, which is the mandate of local government, we managed to avoid day zero. We also had to do a lot of the work of the national government because they weren't doing their work of ensuring bulk supply, which is a national government function. And so through good government, through DA good government in Cape Town, we managed to avoid day zero. Hola. Mm. Right, right, lovely. Okay, so now I get your point why you say that you have to be in a government in order to, 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 to help out with this kind of a crisis in here. Can I digress a little bit here and uh, speak something out of um, water crisis, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. What sets you apart from the EFF leader, Julius Malema? Because what I hear people say is that uh, you are a very vicious person. I mean, vicious, racist person. And uh, the same thing that happens to Julius Malema, you once said in your podcast saying that um, he is a violent, racist um, (laughs) guy. And... uh, it seems to me that you are on the same page. You offend black people and he offends white, white people with the things that you say. Well, Julius Malema is a racial nationalist and a socialist. And I am a non-racialist and I believe in a social market economy. Those are fundamentally different things. Mm. Because I'm looking at the post that you made some time here um, that says to be poor in Langa in Cape Town is a hundred, probably a thousand times better than to be poor in many of the townships in the rest of the country. And also the, 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 what you call the tweet says here, even if you live in a shack, you are far more likely to have electricity, close access to running water, sewage and all of those things that people do not have and anywhere else in the country. So people like we're giving their uh, remarks and maybe and comments around this issue and they were very offended about it. So I just want to, I just want you to touch me, I mean to help me out understand like uh, what did you mean by this? I can't help it if people are offended by facts. I really can't help it if people are offended by the facts. Facts are important. Facts matter. And we have to put the facts on the table. The truth is that Langer as a township has all the basic services that anybody needs. It has, for example, running water, which everyone has access to, Mm. sewage systems, which everyone has access to, electricity, which everyone has access to. We've changed the hostels into homes or flats. We've taken most of the people out of shacks and put them into flats. There are schools, there are clinics, there are roads, there is refuse removal, all of those things. And that makes life a whole lot better, even for the very poor, and perhaps especially for the very poor, compared to places where those services aren't offered. I don't understand what's offensive about that. That is stating a simple fact. Could you please explain to me what is offensive about that? All right, because now here... Um, no, sorry, what is offensive about that? I just want to... I want to ask you to answer that question. Because because the living condition of people in Langa is not that pleasant. And uh, that would seem maybe like a justification to, um, what you call it, to legitimacy of that poor living condition that people are having in that, in that area. Okay, Shafiq, you've got to ask one, one question. What is the government's job? Hmm. Local government, where the DA govern, is to deliver water, Sewerage, refuse removal, electricity, and roads. That the local government has done. Provincial government's job is to deliver clinics and schools and some roads. 
and sporting facilities and other things. That we have done. Hmm. All of those things create conditions for investment and economic growth. No government anywhere in the world can improve people's living conditions unless they get jobs and unless they can build a life for themselves through better education and all of those things. But where the DA governs, we do what the government is supposed to do under the Constitution and the law. And when government does what it's supposed to do under the Constitution and the law, people have more opportunities to improve their lives. That is just a fact. And I can't understand why facts offend people so much. All right. I think maybe it is the way you put it, because I think it is also the, same, the very same way. Remember the question I was asking you about Julius Malema. I believe it is the, in, 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 the, in the same line um, that people get to call them as violent people whenever they are de- delivering their messages. So people get to be offended and they call them like they are racist, like you have said as well about Julius Malema. So the same thing that uh, you, know, you are saying here right he now. Admit, he openly admits he's racist. He says, cut the throat of whiteness. He does all of that. I mean, I didn't tweet that. I said it in a radio interview like I'm doing with you. Mm. I didn't tweet that. The radio station tweeted it, not me. Okay, and, and also the, the, the story about the colonialism as well. Oh, for goodness sake, Shafiq. The generation of electricity and the electricity grid is a legacy of colonialism. Mm. Do you want to say that there are some things about the legacy of colonialism that aren't helpful? and that we shouldn't preserve them. That's another fact. Do you want water in your tap? The entire piped water network is a legacy of colonialism. Mm. Do you want electricity in your home? The entire electricity generation capacity through ESCOM is a legacy of colonialism. All right. So what's your take on the, on the 22 million flag? What? Your take on, on the 22 what? million flag? So I think it's obvious the DA has completely opposed it, and it's not 2 million, it's 20 million. Yeah, I was saying 22. All right, so it's 20 million, not 22. So you are opposing it. All right, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. All right, so that was the DA Federal Council Chairperson Helen Zilli speaking to us about her trip to Nessa Mandela Bay. We understand that she's coming down here not only for the water crisis situation or day zero um, that is looming, but she's also coming down here to strengthen their political ties. You know, they want that collision strength and all the stuff so that they can run the, the provincial uh, government. They can take over for them to be able to help out with these, with these uh, uh, problems. She has also asked some of the questions that I felt like I should ask about her take on uh, issues like, um, you know, her remarks on racism and uh, the offensive words that she uses in many, many a times. So, yes, um, we are going to be having her hopefully next time when she comes down here so that we can have a question and answer session with you, our listeners, 